Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. Everyone loves stories about dinosaurs, but we might be imagining them differently to how they work. When you think about a dinosaur, you think about a big leathery lizard-like creature. That's where the name comes from after all. But recent research shows how they were adapted to not only gliding, but also swimming much of the same way as our birds are. In fact, they are just birds. Now, we like to imagine that dinosaurs are no longer with us, but of course their descendants live on in the forms of birds. And they all belong to the same species of paravians. The only thing separating a modern-day bird that you might see on your branch from a velociraptor is years of evolution, species branches, and many, many millions of years of time. But in our image in popular culture, we have this prevailing idea that dinosaurs are, well, big, lumbering, leathery, dragon-like creatures. You don't have to look much further than Jurassic Park, the famous series of films, to see that depiction of dinosaurs in play. And we've known about dinosaurs for thousands of years. There's evidence from over 2,000 years ago from China of the discovery of dragon bones in Sichuan. And Greeks and Romans may have found fossils. They're quite common in the areas where they lived. That's around 1600s, uh, the first English or Western discoveries of dinosaur bones was really made. This began to be formalised uh, really as a species rather than classifying something as a prehistoric giant um, in about 1824. For example, Megalosaurus was named around then by William Buckland. And there are many fossil hunters in the Victorian era. And when these Victorian era scientists looked at these bones, they thought, yes, of course, these were giant lizards. And that's, you know, the first dinosaur, Iguanodon, um, gets its name from. And that idea prevailed because the only analogue that the scientists, paleontologists of that time could think of was lizards. That's why they said, well, yes, these must have had leathery skin and scales, much in the same way as, well, obviously they look like lizards. And early scientists really struggled with trying to piece together what a dinosaur looked like. But now, since we have incredible advancements in science and technology, we can peel back the layers of time. We also understand genetics, so we can trace the history of a species over thousands of years, millions of years, and different species branches. And all of this leads us to a more logical understanding of what dinosaur species look like. And it's less like the spindly strange limbs that you see on a dinosaur if it looked like a lizard, but rather something more simple and logical if you imagine them looking like a bird, covered in feathers and fluff, because that is actually most likely what all of the dinosaurs in your imagination looked like. Colourful, vibrant, feathery species. Not the uh, leathery-skinned dinosaurs of your imagination, or at least the imagination of popular culture. And the reason why we now know things like this is because normally feathers are very difficult to preserve, but with advancing science and imaging technology, we're able to uncover before, details that we could have never seen in the past. Feathers would often decay very, very rapidly compared to bone, so that's why we often don't have any records of them. But a new example of high-resolution imagery has, from the University of Bristol can show just how you can piece together the feathers of a carnivorous dinosaur. Roughly around the size of a crow, 
This Peruvian dinosaur, called Archaeonus, actually had in its sample some fossilised feathers. And these were compared to the fossilised feathers of other dinosaurs, as well as extinct birds. And there was researchers from the University of Bristol actually did a detailed, high-resolution study comparing these feathers from multiple sources and did a, basically a scan comparing them to other species. Now, the type of feather that was found on this Archaeonus were what is called contour feathers, which is a primitive feather form basically consisting of a short quill with long, independent and flexible barbs erupting from the quill at low angles. And this basically forms two veins and a rather forked-like feather shape, rather than the traditional slender long feather you might be imagining when you think of a quill. Now, the reason we were able to observe all of this was using a new process called the decay process that separates the feathers from the body prior to burial and fossilization, meaning that we can actually, when we look now in the future, um, we're able to interpret what was actually there many years ago in the past. Now, the interesting part about this new type of feather, the contour feather, is that it would have given Archaeonus an incredibly fluffy compared to what we see now on sleek and fast birds like, say, an eagle or a crow. These forked, odd veins of feathers aren't tightly zipped, which is what you see on modern flighted birds, because this would have hindered the ability of the feather to form a lift surface. So to compensate for this, by compensate for having really fluffy and strange and voluminous feathers, the Paravians, like Archaeonus, actually had multiple rows of long feathers on the wing, which is different to modern birds. Most modern birds actually have a single row, and the wing surface is formed just by that one single row of very long, streamlined feathers. Now, more interestingly, some Paravians, like Archaeonus, had four wings with long feathers on the legs as well as the arms and an incredibly elongated section of feathers on the forming a fringe around the tail. What this means is that they had a lot, a lot of feathers all over their body, which gives them the surface area they need to create lift. Whereas modern birds only have two wings and sometimes a long tail, but mostly a short tail and streamlined and long feathers. So this is from the, what we're finding on the Archaeonus is a much more primitive, voluminous version, but they achieved the same thing. Or at least the Paravians, like Archaeonus, would have been able to glide reasonably well. And this research was done together with Rebecca Galerta, Ivan Saita, and Dr. Jacob Vinfer from the University of Bristol School of Earth Sciences and Biological Sciences. And this involved the work of the illustrator, Rebecca Galenta, to actually try and figure out how this creature would look. Now, interestingly, because of fossilised pigment studies, by tracing the chemicals left over in the fossils, we can actually determine what colour was found on this type of dinosaur's feathers. So by taking these fossilised pigments and sticking them to laser fluorescence, you can actually figure out that the layers of wings would have different kinds of colours. So the Archaeonus, unlike your imagination of a dinosaur, was a multi-winged, fluffy and very, very colourful dinosaur. Even compared to modern-day birds, is very, very unusual. And that just goes to show that paleontology is an evolving science, and it requires detailed skill and artistry to help piece together what these creatures look like and make more correct assumptions about how and 
when they functioned. Now there's many famous dinosaur discovery regions around the world, from the Marlborough Plains of Queensland in Central Australia, through to the United States and even the Mongolian steeps. And that's where a more recent discovery has been made. It's an exceptionally well-preserved dinosaur skeleton of what's called Halskoraptor, Esculii, and it's a very, very close relative of the Velociraptor, relatively small in shape. But when you look at the bones of this 75 million year old predator, as some recent researchers, or a combination of institutes, including the Mongolian Academy of Sciences, the Kashigev Chosokaba Institute of Paleontology and Geology in Ulaanbaatar, and, interestingly enough, the University of Alberta, worked together to analyse this very, very unusual little raptor. And by piecing together the bones, doing a detailed study inside of a synchrotron, they could build an incredible three-dimensional model of what this dinosaur looked like, which outlines not only a new genus and species of the bird-like dinosaur, but also explains how we have not only land-based dinosaurs, air-based dinosaurs, but also amphibious raptor-like dinosaurs. Now, when we talk about classifications of dinosaurs, we have theropods, and they are basically all carnivorous dinosaurs, from the very, very big, like the Tyrannosaurus rex, all the way down to the small and agile hunters, like the Velociraptor. And 160 million years ago, theropods was where it was at if you were a dinosaur. They were a dominant predator across all continents. But surprisingly, we haven't found many aquatic samples in those hundreds of millions of years. Now, obviously, some of these dinosaurs ate fish, much in the way that we have cranes and herons that eat fish out of the ocean. We didn't really have any understanding of how they could possibly move in the water. And it's always been a very controversial area for scientists to understand how exactly did these dinosaurs catch fish, eat fish, and you know survive, become a predator in this aquatic environment. And that's where the Halskoraptor steps in. Now, the Halskoraptor suliae, nicknamed Halska, was found in the Uka-Tolgod region in southern Mongolia. And it's one of the most rich in fossils areas for Mongolia, such that not only are scientists visiting this area, but poachers who are stealing, literally stealing these fossils out of the ground as part of the illicit fossil trade is an area of great concern for researchers from across the world. Now, in this region, the Halska was discovered. And what's unusual about it is it has a really, really long neck, exceptionally long, like much of the length of its body, which is very reminiscent of what a swan has. And it has flipper-like forelimbs on the front of it. And this has obviously made scientists really stop and take notice of it. Because unlike having the killer-type claws, the sickle-shaped claws that you can remember from the Velociraptors, this one had quite unusual-type shape limbs. So to make more sense of this fossil, they put it into a synchrotron. 
Now, a synchrotron is a particle accelerator. It accelerates particles at incredibly fast speeds, in this instance, light particles, and it bombards an object in the beam line. So it basically spins up these particles really, really fast and then flings them at a sample. And by using this, you get incredibly detailed pictures in three dimensions, much more powerful than an X-ray or any other technique. And they call this multi-resolution, three-dimensional X-ray microtomography. And it's basically the best thing we have to understanding how the insides or layers of something work, from artwork to chocolate to fossils. So this technique has basically become the, the gold standard for high-quality images of samples. So they had to take this Halska Raptor all the way to a synchrotron to actually put it into a beamline for testing. So by doing a big multi-resolution scan, the first major benefit they had was actually proving that this really odd oddly shaped, oddly proportioned skeleton actually did belong to just one animal. As you can appreciate, with many fossils, it's often difficult to determine is that prey that has been eaten inside this creature, or is it a bone from another species, from another time, or is it all part of the one thing? So actually, by leaving it in situ and then taking a whole scan of it, we can actually figure out that, yep, no, that is exactly one dinosaur we're looking at. But it also revealed other information in astonishing detail such as the number of teeth, which you can't see from an external look because they're still preserved inside the closed mouth. And they're also able to identify the neurovascular system inside its snout, which actually looked a lot like what a crocodile has, which is quite remarkable when you think about it. Which, And all of these things together suggest an amphibious dinosaur that walked on land on two legs, similar to how a short-tailed bird like a duck walks. But when you put that into water, it can use these flipper-like forelimbs to manoeuvre, much like a penguin or another aquatic bird. And with its incredibly long neck, or, well, you know, and its complicated snout very similar to an alligator, it can dive in to the water, snatch out a fish, and gobble down, much in the way that something like a swan does. Put all these things together, and you have a whole new species, a whole new genus as well. And it's a great contribution from the Gobi Desert and a great demonstration of the power of scientific research to shed light on new samples and new ways for creatures to survive in different environments. Because this answers the question, how did these theropods survive in amphibious environments? Why acting like a swan? It is basically, for all intents and purposes, a more scary and terrifying feathered-up swan. So not only are raptors very, very intelligent, very fast, and small, but they also were pretty much dangerous with long necks designed for amphibious, land-based, and water-based assault, much in the same way as a squan or a goose are. So if you've ever been hunted by a goose out for vengeance, or a swan, you'll understand that, yeah, these birds are pretty tricky. And now you know that actually you weren't just being chased by a bird, you were being chased by a dinosaur. Because that is effectively what birds are. They are the one same species, the paraavians, overall. And that's a fascinating piece of history to think about. So, dinosaurs, in your imagination, aren't just giant hulking lizards or terrifyingly clever, leathery velociraptors. They're actually more like birds, more like aggressive and carnivorous swans. So next time you're feeding the ducks down at a pond, remember that you are feeding dinosaurs, or distant cousins of them anyway. They're basically the same thing. 
This has been the Young Scientist of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. From swan-like dinosaurs to multi-winged balls of fluff gliding from tree to tree, we learned about the different types of dinosaurs and how new techniques help us understand our feathery friends. Our ending theme was composed by Audio Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.